All right, and we are recording, and this is finally, finally we brought back uh, the What I Believe podcast. It's definitely been a long minute, particularly if, you're, if your minute is equivalent to five months, right? At least when we're recording this, we're entering into May, and the last time I recorded something was in December, and that was a Devo. But I promise I'll get, uh, give you all the details later on for the folks listening as to why I've been gone for so long. It's definitely been a minute, uh, but we are back finally. I wanna get a kickstart going again. You know, I just wanna bring some new people in, bring back some people I had from season one, if you even wanna say, yeah, season one, this is a new season of the Why I Believe podcast. So let's get to it. So welcome back, and with me in the uh, virtual studio today is Juanito Macias. Not his name; his name is Juan Macias, but we call him different names. Uh, Juanito Burrito. He goes by Obi Wan Kenobi. Hello there. All kinds of different names. If you go to Calvary GS, you'll definitely see him either downstairs uh, in the sound booth or in the um, in the center of the sanctuary or if you're just you know walking around the halls you'll probably see him going from here to there bugging high schoolers whatever that may be you know <laughs> how's it going Juan? it's going good man I'm really excited i mean i'm obviously a little congested i'm sick guys this is why he wanted to do it virtually he didn't want to be anywhere near me six feet guys always <laughs> more like uh, 600 six thousand feet away from you boy you know? <laughs> staying far away don't bring that COVID to me <laughs> but yeah, uh, gr- glad to have you on. Uh, I definitely want to branch out and learn uh, and discuss different topics from uh, different people uh, in my church and also beyond my church, uh, those who I personally know. So uh, later episodes in the future, we'll definitely have some of those. But yeah, I want to bring Juan onto the podcast. Uh, he's definitely been a minister of the Lord for such a long time, and he's been involved and quite a lot in the church, but he's known for one particular role. And go ahead and tell the listeners, I kept last year, I kept saying viewers as if I was streaming <laughs> this or something, but go ahead, Juan, and tell the listeners uh, what you do at Calvary GS and how long you've been attending and all that fun stuff about you. Uh, well, um, I secretly uh, do nothing. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm the audio engineer just recently too. I think they just, uh, Recently changed my role uh, the beginning of January, but I am the audio engineer of uh, Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, and it's been awesome uh, working alongside with uh, um, Nick Hernandez and just the whole worship team and obviously our tech team and whatnot. Um, but it's been a blessing, man. I've been attending here since 2012, I believe it was. Yeah, it's been a pretty long but short 10 years. <laughs> like I believe it, it's our... <laughs> It's already 10 years. I'm like, dang, dude, that's so crazy. And I'm hearing, you know, Pastor Rolf's like, oh, yeah, 50, 60 years. I'm like, dude, it's crazy. Um, but, yeah. Wow. Cool, man. Yeah, I mean, you've been going there for 10 years. And like you just said, it's been, a, it seems like such a long time. But then at the same time, it just flies by real quick because of all the things that you're involved in. And for me, particularly, I joined uh, the tech ministry my sophomore year in college, my second year through college, I don't even know if they do freshman, sophomore in that level in college. I think it's just like, how long have you been suffering? But anyways, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I joined um, my sophomore year. Originally I was involved in ushering, but then I uh, just saw, if, in fact, I saw Juan downstairs one day and I also saw who was a junior on a camera and I was just like, oh, that looks pretty cool. I want to try that out. And I remember the when I was getting some information, one of these, one of those Sundays, uh, I was brought into the tech hall. And if you don't know, if you don't have a fob, that's good. But uh, tech hall upstairs at the church is basically the um, center, the base for all things tech. And so I was, uh, I walked in, and first person I see in the uh, director's room is Juan. 
and one just introduced himself to me and said, Hey, you, you really want to do this, huh? Well, that's a shame. No, he didn't say that, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he, uh, showed me the ropes and stuff and introduced me to everyone around, uh, the whole ministry. And one thing I noticed right away is just like, you know, everyone just loves to have Juan. Juan is the energy that comes into the room whenever he gives his devos, whenever he just wants to help out in any way, he's always there. And just recently, like you just said, you're now doing sound engineering, but you've had multiple roles uh, with the tech ministry. And uh, sometimes if we do those uh, weekly, we remember how we used to do those weekly announcements, uh, videos, and you always be on there <laughs> with Ashley or ago. Cameron. Yeah. yeah, that was a long time ago, but Maybe one day we'll, we we ought to bring it back one of these days because I I personally liked it it was pretty cool, yeah. but uh, but yeah so you've been coming to this church like you said for ten years now and uh, you've seen lots of things met lots of people people have come and gone and all kinds of things like that particularly with tech and also with the church as well uh, for you in particular though you know how much how much blessing have you seen throughout those ten years because especially for most, most uh, individuals and particularly a lot of young individuals, not a lot of them stay with one church for such a long period of time. They will bounce around or even then become disinterested and, you know, n wanting to learn more about the Lord and they fall away and become prodigal um, sons and daughters. But for you in those 10 years, to, uh, go ahead and tell us, what have you seen? What have you noticed? And uh, some key takeaways that you've uh, experienced throughout those 10 years. Man, where do I begin with this, man? Uh, it's a, a big question, you know, I, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty, pretty big, deep question, dude. It's uh, honestly, though, it's it's been a lot of, I think, insurmountable blessings for sure. Like, it's just such a blessing being here to knowing people, to getting to know them, and just to really, like, know who they are and, like, what they've been through and how Jesus has brought them out of it. Uh, but also there's, uh, and I, I feel like I talk about this a lot with people just because my heart it's so burdened and so broken um you know for those that have come and they're no longer here uh and honestly like i'm not talking about more so the ones that like god has led to go somewhere like because you know god's using them i still kind of talk to him here and there and you know um but it's more so the people who have fallen away like there's not a day that goes by that i don't think about every single one of them uh not a day that goes by i don't pray for them and yeah even just the other day uh you know, we were meeting with the team and we're just going through a book. Um, and the topic of it was just how much like as a team and as a leadership, we need to create community and that like, you'll forget the methods, you'll forget like the skills, you forget all this stuff. But the one thing you will never forget is the people. And I remember sharing my heart. I'm like, yeah, there's people that constantly on my mind and that I even ask about here and there. And that even Adrian brings up here and there um that like really just um yeah man my heart just breaks dude i, I literally cry sometimes because i you know i think about it and i'm trying not to get choked up right now but i really miss them i really do and i pray for them daily and again that just it's 10 years man you've seen you feel like you've seen it all but then and it's something i tell people like you think it gets easier but it doesn't man it hurts more and more and you're like man because you i think you see what they were the potential you see the just how much god was calling putting and calling on their lives then you also see how much like satan was wanting to tear them down and obviously for them some of them succeeded and stuff like that and praise god for the ones that are still persevering you know um but i do pray for them to come back but yeah man those 10 years have been pretty roller coaster of emotions if i might say um but overall uh, amazing blessing for sure yeah and one thing you focus on, like, like you said, it's just those people who have come and have gone away. Uh, we see that a lot in regards to young adults and particularly with high school students. And you're also involved with um, the high school ministry every now and then uh, for different events and stuff. And tell us uh, what you what do you notice? What do you see in those uh, ministries? And particularly uh, our high school ministry at the church uh, is led by Scott Salamat. He's a really great pastor and uh, he's got a humongous calling on the Lord to lead those in high school, uh, being one of the most uh, challenging and stressful times of their life. You know, uh, Scott has a great mission of wanting to uh, help kids through the, that time in their lives 
through this great times, the stressful times, the depressing times, all those experiences. But for you, particularly one, what do you notice with uh, working with that ministry? Um, for the few times that I have, so like I used to serve in uh, junior high. Um, and the things I've seen there, man, it's crazy to me how much these kids go through. Um, them being so young and not only that, like nowadays, like obviously I hear from like Schmitty, I hear from Daniel, um, you know, how, what and Bo and what these kids are going through. And you're sitting there like, man, I didn't have to go through all that when I was in high school. Like it's so much worse now. It's so much like, yeah, man. But you know, one thing I, I always see is that the leaders love these kids, man. They're wanting to pour their heart out and just love on them, encourage them in the Lord and just continually just pray for them. Like, I'm telling you, like, there's just times where I'm sitting with some of these leaders and just hearing their heart, like, man, these guys really love these kids. Um, and man, those kids are crazy sometimes. <laughs> like, <if I> might <laughs> be honest here. Um, but you know what, man, sometimes those crazy kids are the ones that, you know, they honestly are at that breaking point where like Jesus is there at the door knocking and they know it. Um, I've seen it a couple of times, like what, somebody that I always kind of go back to, but I that serving the serving in the church now. And it's always been a blessing for me um, back in junior high was um, Adrian, Adrian Hernandez, little Adrian. He, uh, I still remember that day he was, I was when I was serving in junior high um, and we went to a retreat and I remember God just touching this kid's life, man. He was sitting there and came up for prayer. All the leaders were there. He came up for prayer. I was there and he came up to me and we just prayed, um, you know, together. And then he sat down and the Lord put on my heart to like, go talk to him again. Like just to go up to him and pray for him again and impressing something heavily in my heart and told me to share something with him. And it, it was God. It's what he needed in that moment for him to realize how true and real Jesus was like, he prayed like, God, show me how real you are. And boom, it happened. Um, and so to see him now, he's serving in the pursuit, you know, I believe he's serving in high school um, and whatnot, but like, he's just on fire for the Lord. And then you get those few kids like that. Like I know um, Sarah was one of them. I know um, uh, Schmitty too. It's just so awesome. Like, see that like those ministries are so crucial you know and scott does have a gift in leading those kids and i love how just uh the energy scott has to do it man it's crazy but it's it's, it's awesome too like you said you know the kids are crazy and uh but what what do we know about the disciples that follow jesus you know uh peter was known as the rock you know and james and john uh those guys were what known as the sons of thunder and stuff. And they were crazy guys and stuff. And look what happened in those, in those lives, you know, Peter, uh, crazy guy, always put his uh, emotions before anything spiritual. And, you know, said all these things and the Lord said, you know, Oh, uh, you know, I appreciate that Peter at loose context. You know, I appreciate that Peter, but you do know you're going to deny me three times. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. Why would I do that? And, even when Jesus was in Gethsemane and uh, he was about to be arrested, Peter, not thinking ahead of time, just reactionaries reacting to everything, uh, pulls out a sword and cuts off the ear of Malchus. And Jesus says, tells him, you know, those who live by the sword die by the sword. Now, now I'm not saying that high school kids are having knives in their pockets and cutting <laughs> each other's ears off, but you do see kind of a similarity with them. You know, they're very reactionary. They're always living in the moment. And they seem crazy, and trust me, they are. <laughs> Sometimes they are pretty crazy. Uh, but you do see that, you know, even the men who were cl closest to Jesus personally, who were with him in his ministry, he ended up using them to for such a great calling to spread the word uh, throughout their time. And they're examples to us. They're spiritual warriors that we can follow. And you kind of do see that, like you said, with the students, particularly with Adrian's case and with many others, not just in our church, but across America, those who, who, young adults who are really committed to wanting to make a difference for the Lord, you start off crazy. And I'm pretty sure you did as well, maybe, if you want to get into that. But may, we all started off as non-believers. We were all born into sin. We all have you know, unique backgrounds of ourselves. But we do know that all together, we come together 
and that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. The Lord is using our lives, no matter how big or how small of a role it may be. We do know that we have that assurance that we are making a difference and that is pleasing to the Lord and could honestly really make a humongous difference in the lives of someone who is a non-believer. Not only with you, you don't even have to preach the word to them. You don't even have to say anything. Just your actions alone speak louder than anything. And they that can be a motivation. It could be something that shines out to a, stu a student, a young adult, even an older adult, a non-believer. It is what honestly makes a difference. But again, like you said, they start off crazy, but they end up on the right path. But I think what's also great about what you do and what we do as a tech ministry and even what Scott does with the kids in high school and also, too, with what um, Jose Cruz does with the um, uh, what's the gathering for junior high. You want to start off young and you want to build on it over time and you want to help each of these kids because you can attest to yourself, like you just said, you've known people one who have come and gone in the ministry right mm -hmm. and so i think a big aspect of that is that you know you know there's lots of people who come and go in your opinion one what do you think that causes why do people come and go and why do you think it's important to stay on stay, stick with them like glue and make sure that they are um warriors of the faith I think the biggest reason, um, and you'll hear this said a lot at our church, uh, but Pastor Raul, Wade, and everybody really, um, it all starts with your devotional life. Once your devotional life starts slipping away and starts suffering, then the rest of your walk, the rest of your life will suffer with it. Um, I know people personally who were even on staff, you know, um, serving in ministry too, that as soon as I started seeing them stop read their Bible, everything just kind of went downhill. And I can say that for every single one of them that I've known that's fallen away, um, you know, kind of got out of touch was the biggest thing was their devotional life. And I think as leaders, as, uh, you know, even as normal Christians, you know, uh, for those that just attend church regularly and whatnot, like the key to, a victory and key to just serving like the Lord and the key to really just staying on track is your devotional life. Like you, you cannot, I cannot emphasize that enough because our pastor emphasizes that every single day, you know, especially for us staff guys that he's always constantly hammering us. Make sure you're reading your Bible. Make sure you're reading your Bible. Make sure you're praying. Make sure you're seeking God. Make sure you're hearing from him, you know, cause it's like you, if you can't hear from him then you can't give to others, you know, what, what you don't hear. Um, you know, it's like the the scripture says, you know, the farmer must first uh, be particular of the crops. Like you must be particular of those crops first before you give it to others. Um, and now you're not going to know what you're selling, um, you know, what you're giving out um, per se. So, but I think as for us, like as people who just want to help them, you know, help them just keep accountable. Like, I think that's one thing that we all need as Christians is somebody to help us stay accountable with whatever it is, you know, especially our just spiritual walk or devotional life, you have to have that person next to you that's constantly keeping you in check, that's constantly, you know, just making sure you're okay, you know, praying with you and seeking the Lord with you. Um, I'm thankful that I have, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord that do that, you know, that are alongside of me and they're constantly just pouring into my life um, and I'm pouring into them and just we're constantly helping each other. You know, again, the accountability is the biggest thing. If you lose accountability, then everything else just starts kind of slipping little by little because you're not no longer keeping in check. You're not, you know, someone's not keeping in check and whatnot. So I think that's a big reason why a lot of these people too have fallen away. It's not only their devotion life, but they just stop being accountable to somebody. And that is how you help them is you say, hey, like, I want to help keep you accountable and keep you on the right track. Um, you know, when you're struggling, let me know. I'll be there to pray for you pray with you and for you, you know, we'll seek the Lord together. But I think that is the biggest thing, you know, how to kind of stick to glue what's by somebody is you got to help them, you know, keep them accountable. That's like the biggest thing for sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, for our listeners who may be students right now, no matter what your level is, uh, middle school, high school, college, uh, just like Juan said, accountability, that is the greatest aspect of sticking with one another and being a friend to someone who 
is walking with you in the faith because you can honestly tell uh, who your friends are. Um, not quoting Ultron here, you know, make your friends rich, make your enemies rich and find out which is which. No, that's not the right motto. <laughs> but like but like Juan said, you know, a true friend is someone who loves you enough to tell you that you are going down the wrong track. You know, I think that's, you know, we have this issue a lot with, you know, friends and all that, you know, we're in a group with friends or whatever, or just maybe one-on-one, your friend wants to go to do a, I don't know, go to a party or wants to go do this thing that's, you know, you know, it's wrong and you know that that's going to lead them down a road of hurt, potentially anything that's uh, sinful against the Lord and it could get them in trouble. And I think the biggest aspect of like, like what Juan said, you know, when you're accountable for each other's actions, you remind your friend, Hey, I don't want you to do that. And they'd be like, why, why are you judging me, man? Don't judge me. You know, that's <laughs> always the number one comeback. Well, don't judge me, man. But it's like, I'm not judging you. I love you. I love you. And I want you to go down the road of truth, one of righteousness, one of holiness. You know, we always use that saying a lot too. What would Jesus do in the situation? And not only important, it's like, what would Jesus do? It's like, how could you be a witness of Jesus to someone, you know? Because we are called to be that. We're called to be as brothers and brothers and sisters in Christ. And as, you know, different parts of a clock, I know I used this analogy before, we all have a role to play in regards to uh, the spread of the gospel and the body of Christ. We all have that particular role, just like on a clock, not your digital clock, an old timer's clock. Uh, we all have a role to play, you know, whether that be the hand that's moving or the gears behind, behind the scenes. We all have a particular um, role to play to be witnesses to, of Christ for others to follow. And like Juan said, it starts by being accountable for each other's actions, not only for yourself, but with each other, because you're able to grow together spiritually in the Lord with your friends when you're able to hold each other to a high standard, not only for you being as a person, but as a Christian, because we are called to be witnesses and to be examples, a light that shines on that hill for others to follow. So I, I, I really agree with that, that um, what accountability does. Most importantly, with tying it back to the devotional life, you know, when you're devoted to the Lord, you're wanting to read more of the Bible. You're wanting to learn of what he has to speak to you. And I was just, you know, recently having this conversation yesterday at Pursuit. Um, I forgot who it was, but uh, the conversation involved, like someone was telling us, I'm reading my Bible, but that's what the person's saying. I read my Bible, but I have a tendency to just skim through it. Or if I'm reading it, I, I feel like I'm missing something, you know? And I feel like that is possibly like a, that is a issue that some people may have because uh, I'm not going to be truthfully honest and say that the Bible is 100% action and everything. And, you know, you're going to have <laughs> yeah. like great stories all the time. Sometimes, especially like, you know, the books of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are Leviticus. some challenging, those, those are some challenging books, but, you know, uh, and you may have a tendency to just, you know, skim through it, or if you're reading through a proverb or a psalm or something, you just skim through it and just get through it. Um, but I feel like from this conversation I was having yesterday, uh, another person chimed in and said, well, do you pray before you read your Bible? Do you pray and have that moment with the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me, whoever it is that you're reading that day, just ask the Lord to make something shine before you, just make something speak to your soul that the Lord's trying to communicate with you. And I feel like that is a great aspect prayer, especially, you know, prayer is an important aspect in the life of a Christian, but to keep consistent with your devotional life, whenever, you know, the time gets rough and you just don't have that urge to want to read your Bible. I think going back to prayer and speak, telling the Lord, your issues, your struggles, making him aware of it. He is what's going to help you overcome whatever struggles you may have. You agree one. Yes, I do, man. It's uh, I remember Wade told me this one time, um, that like the when you don't feel like reading your Bible is the best time to read your Bible. You know, like this shouldn't be, um, yeah. Because I mean, let's be honest. There's gonna be times where we're going through so much stuff, and or our minds are just jacked up. And I like how Wade says it, man. He just there's times where he just has to sit there and read until his mind is thinking straight because it's just so. You just Talk get about spiritual so much warfare. Stuff. Yeah. 
spiritual, yeah, spiritual warfare just gets crazy, man. You just need to, that's like the best advice I was ever given by him was that, you know, when you don't feel like reading, that's when you need to read. When you don't feel like praying, that's when you need to pray. Yeah. I mean, those, those times when you don't feel that urge, you understand that, you know, uh, I think I had this conversation with uh, Jacob earlier in season one. Uh, and I was just talking to him about, you know, when you're going through certain trials or tribulations, and that was really the focal point of season one. Um, when I was having these conversations, it's just like, we're talking about the different trials and tribulations in the life of a Christian. And one thing we were talking about is that, you know, if you were on the right track for the Lord, you know, you're on that track when you're constantly being hammered by the devil with all kinds of temptations, trials, or anything yeah. that can stumble your walk. That's when you know you're on fire for the Lord because the devil's not going <laughs> to do that. If you are, you know, in sin, you're in the flesh, you're involved in earthly manners and stuff. But if you're focused on the Lord and you're determined to be a witness to him and to spread the gospel, like we've been saying before, I feel like that is the opportunity. That is when the devil works on you the most, puts a target on your back and says, I'm coming for you. You know, I need to yeah, ruin true. this life. Yeah, it gets crazy, man. You got to just... uh <laughs> no it's honestly and it's always encouraging like when i always tell people like they always tell me man i'm just going through so much i feel like i'm not catching a break i'm like this is a good thing like take this as a compliment to you and your walk like the devil sees that you're doing good for the lord and he hates it like he's gonna try to stop you and you know um look at uh job is the best example ever like he exactly. was the righteous most righteous man on the earth and he was doing everything blameless was a man who prayed for his kids all that stuff and then the devil's like, let me touch his life. Let me mess with him. Uh, and told God that. And God was like, yeah, go ahead. Like, God was bragging about him, man. <laughs> like, that's awesome. When you kind of scary, too. You're like, God's bragging about you to the devil. And the devil's like, all right, watch. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy that because even then, too, when we go through these situations, we think that it's 100% the devil. But like you said, in the case of Job, you know, the Lord gave the devil permission to do what he did. And that's crazy because it's, like I said, people think that it's 100% the devil, but you also realize that maybe the Lord is allowing this to happen. Well, in, in all reality, the Lord does allow everything to happen in our lives. He's control of everything. The devil does mm -hmm. not have uh, any power over our Lord or anything like that. But, you know, that is a different perspective that you can see um, when you're going through those situations and those um, really hard times in your life. It's something that the Lord is, has allowed to happen in order to make you stronger. How's that saying go? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. The Lord is not going to kill you because of a trial or a temptation or anything like that, but he is going to make you stronger in your faith spiritually. And he's going to help you find a way out of what you're dealing with. Uh, going back to, you know, uh, those reasons why people could walk away from the faith, but even then, not even the faith, just in general, in our everyday population. Uh, one thing that, really does uh, hurt the lives of so many adults, young adults, children. No, there, there's no age limit to what, uh, to the hurt that people have in their hearts. And one of those uh, situations that people may have is depression. Depression um, does speak a lot to a lot of individuals. Like I said, not even those who are Christian, those who are non-Christians have this issue of uh, dealing with depression and I'll go over some stats that I have right here. You know, 17.3 million American adults are dealing with depression. 17.3 million American adults, U.S. population age, age 18 and older. I'm getting these facts from DBSA. But even though that you may think, and in reality, 17.3 million is 7.1% of the American population. Out of those 17.3, 1.9 million are children, age three through 17, particularly in the age range um, that this podcast speaks to, young adults. But even then, that is such a humongous number of, of adults and young adults who are dealing with this form of uh, sadness. And depression has many forms. You know, we often think that depression is just a person who's just really sad and that's it, you know, but 
depression has many forms of, you know, for our veterans who come back home, they deal with post-traumatic stress disorder, stress, anxiety. Those are all um, branches of the main trunk of the tree, which is known as depression. And I know Juan, you have, um, this is something that you, it, it speaks more to you as well, because this is something you um, battle with a lot, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, yeah, man, it's been uh, for, since middle school, I think it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been battling it for quite some time now. I feel like, you know, when, when most non-believers go into um, church or whatever, they first think like, oh, this is not for me, was, you know, this isn't really going to speak to me. And then they become, they hear all these things about, you know, the Christian, what they do, what they believe in. But I think like how we said earlier, you know, when you're being that light that shines out to, to the non-believer, they see the joy and the happiness and they think, okay, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I want that? The Christians being happy all the time. It's, you know, everything seems so joyful, you know, and then they become a believer and, but they're still dealing with personal battles. Like we said earlier, that is something that the Lord can put in the lives of all of us to test our faith. But in particular, uh, that doesn't mean that you are 100% in a safe bubble and that no harm or no, no sadness or anything like that can ever penetrate that bubble. Uh, and for one, you definitely, you've been a Christian for how long now? Uh, 10 years. 10 years. So just as long as you've been with, with this church and obviously Juan's not, uh, you know, 16 years old. <laughs> it's not like he... <laughs> He just became a Christian in middle school. Uh, he's been dealing with this depression since middle school. And even then, as a Christian now, 10 years into the faith, it's still something that um, he's battling. And a lot of Christians, I believe, uh, although they do not express it too much, it is like an inner um, battle that they are dealing with. So, uh, Juan, why don't you tell us? When you're dealing with those times of depression, and even then, if you want to speak on this too, it's like depression doesn't, it's, it's, it's like it comes in waves. It's not like something that's consistent all throughout. There are times in all of our lives, we go through waves of happiness and struggle. And I feel like depression is like that with you, but I'm pretty sure you can speak on that. But along with that, tell us about how you counter depression as a Christian. How should a believer counter anything that, uh, may resemble depression, whether that be stress, anxiety, or anything of that manner? Um, so, yeah, they, they do come in waves, for sure, the text. I think uh, I'm always reminded that the Bible says that everything's in, that everything has its seasons, you know. Um, depression does too. Um, you know, we, depending on, you know, it changes. It varies from how long these attacks come. I can't speak for everybody, but I know... Um, you know, regardless, every single one of us has um, some, like for me, like some of my attacks last a day, some of my attacks last for a couple hours, sometimes weeks. And obviously my biggest one is my seasonal depression, which lasts for like four months. Um, and that's usually around the holidays. Um, it, it just varies, um, you know, and there's attacks, like you were saying, you know, not all of it is just considered that you're just sad. No, sometimes like depression comes and you're just numb to everything. You know, good things are happening in your life and you just can't express joy for them, you know. Uh, and yeah, I, I know a good amount of people that uh, come to this church, um, even just recently too, but some that I've known for a while are that are battle with this. And it's, it's crazy with me because a lot of it kind of, a lot of the numbers spiked up after this whole COVID lockdown that wasn't really necessary, but we won't go there. We're not talking about that right now. Um uh. But Spotify is, is going to like censor me for that. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, it's been, it's, it's crazy, man. But I think like the way, you know, I combat this and I think it's every Christian should combat it in this way. Um, it's obviously, you know, reading a word and praying and, and playing worship songs. Um, the people that I know that battle with it, I, I know that none of them, and I speak for myself too, can sleep without something playing in the background. Like, because, like for me, I'm always playing worship. If you look, when that time of the year comes where Spotify puts up their whole 
hey, how many songs, what's your top songs? Mine are almost always alive because most of those songs are played throughout the night. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally play, you know, I play them the whole night and I don't stop it till the next morning. Um, but I need that constantly playing because and now my mind goes places, man. It, it does. Um, especially when I'm going home. Sometimes I'll be fine. All service the whole day. As soon as I walk out those doors, get in my car, start driving, bam, depression hits. Mm-hmm. And I know in that moment, I like, I have to play because everybody knows I love music here. You know, I love all kinds of music. But in those times, like, I can't listen to anything else but worship. Like, worship is what gets me through. I think my favorite song, <clears throat> and I kind of like, uh, it's a song that I feel like kind of fits every Christian that battles with depression or any kind of anxiety or whatever. Like, Canvas they play has always been my song, man. Ever since it's come out, like, it just reminds me that nothing's been wasted. Like everything that I battle with is not being wasted. You know, it's working all, it's working, working together for my good um, and for his glory, you know? And so mm-hmm. um, it's just, uh, yeah, man, it's, I think for sure praying, reading. And that's why like Wade told me what I told you earlier, I shared earlier was because I was asking him how to combat it when like I'm being depressed, when I'm being all this stuff. It's, that like, you know, you don't feel like it. Honestly, you don't feel like picking up your Bible. You don't feel like getting on your knees and praying. But it's in those times where you have to, because then that's when God's going to meet you. You know, put aside, um, and I think the dangerous thing of the world today, um, and I'm a firm believer in this, because I know I'm a firm, uh, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, I say perse- not persecutor, but I, I, I do this, but I distract myself with like internet, you know, whether it's social media, whether it's uh, YouTube or whatever, um, video games even. Um, everybody knows, everybody has their own hobbies. Everybody, um, and I think the danger for it, and it's something that Wade has shared to me personally, and even I've heard him share the pursuit, was that like, stop distracting yourself from what God is trying to speak to you to. Because mm-hmm. in those bouts of depression, like those are the moments you need to get on your knees, pray, and read his word. They're gonna, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to pick it up. You're, it's going to be the heaviest thing to just, you know, open up your Bible. It's going to be the heaviest thing to pick up in that moment. Even getting on your knees is going to be one of the hardest things to do. But you need to do it. You need to put your death to yourself and, like, really just sit there and listen to what God has to say to you. There's so many times that I'm sitting there, I'm reading, and then God tells me, turn to the scripture, turn to this chapter, turn to this thing. And, like, let me just speak to your heart. And it's something I read constantly, but then boom, it pops up. Like it's something that I needed, you know? Um, but that is something that I agree 100,000% on that every Christian that battles depression. Um, and if you don't, if you're not a Christian, you need to know Jesus because he makes this battle easier for sure. Is that you need to pick up your, pick up the Bible and read it. Cause God wants to, God wants to speak love to you. What is depression? Like, I way shared this with me. I don't remember who said it. It was he quoted somebody else, but it said depression is a twisted reality with the absence of God. Because God is love, God is kindness, God is care, He cares, He loves you, showers all these amazing things on you. But depression is the complete opposite of that. It tells you you're alone. He tell it tells you that you're not loved, that nobody cares, you know, that he doesn't care. He's letting you go through this and all that stuff. But in reality, like um, it's an alt- in reality, it's a twisted reality, you know, depression. That's why like, uh, Wade always tells me too, is like, don't ever act when you're depressed because don't even speak a word <laughs> when you're depressed to others, um, in, in your emotion, because you're going to end up mm-hmm. saying something that's not true because your mind is making up these, these games in your head. Um, but that's why you need to, like, uh, I shared earlier what Wade said, like, you, sometimes you just need to sit there. You just need to open your Bible and read until your mind is right. Um, you know, because it's, God wants to use it. But it's like, we distract ourselves with things, with our hobbies. You know, some of our hobbies can consist of, you know, many things. You know, the list goes on. Um, and distract ourselves with the internet and whatnot. Um, social media. It's just, that's not what God wants from us. He doesn't, don't distract yourself from the lesson that God wants to teach you in that season. I think that's like the best way I can sum it all up. Um, yeah. Well, one thing, one thing I agree with and something that stands out 
for me, and I think this should be an encouragement for those who are listening, uh, being a part, going back again to that devotional life, when you're having that opportunity to be alone with the Lord and you read a Bible verse, maybe you read something that, you know, way back in, say, June, you read it and it's like, okay, this is pretty nice. I, I like this verse or whatever. Uh, and, but then when you're in the thick of it in regards to your sadness or depression or loneliness or anything of that matter, that verse speaks more, speaks more volumes to you because it's more applicable to what you're currently dealing with. And that's why I think a lot of people, they just like read the Bible once and it's like, okay, cool. I did it. Woohoo. Yeah. Yippee. But you know, it's so amazing. Cause I know Rawl says this a lot. He likes to make notes of say how a verse speaks to him at a moment or what a verse stands out to him when he reads it a first go around. And then when he comes back around to it, you, you know, right when you finish that last verse in the Bible, the next day you start all over again and you read through it. But then you just don't come to realize the importance of writing those notes because, like I said, in those times of um, tribulation or whatever you're dealing with, that verse that you highlighted from a long time ago speaks more volumes to you. It's, it's more applicable to how you're dealing with whatever whatever the cause may be. But I think going back to like Juan said, you just want to keep reading. When in doubt, if you're ever facing doubt, go back to the Lord. It's kind of like, you know, when we, because I, I think a lot of people, again, even though depression isn't the sadness is like one of the first things that comes to mind when we think of depression, but it's not the only thing. But I feel like with most students and most uh, individuals, when they hear about depression, if they're feeling sad or lonely or anything like that, one thing that they do is either, you know, uh, like you said, go online, social media, YouTube has a big influence. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people are on these platforms and they think that, you know, by watching a funny video, watching a comedy sketch or something of that matter, something that uh, speaks to them, uh, wh whatever that may be, that it's going to cure their um, depression at the time. But as you said, not only does depression last for short periods and even longer periods, even then that is earthly uh, band-aids that you're putting on a spiritual, uh, a spiritual wound. And the only way to address that spiritual wound is to go to the source of who put that on your life. That being the Lord, the Lord allowing that those opportunities and those trials that he's putting you through, you have to go back to the source and go back to the creator of the universe and ask for guidance and support. Um, you know, what, what was I going to say? Um, going back to it again, it, it seems like it's just temporary band-aids. You're uh, even then, I, I mean, it's a little bit of a loose comparison maybe, but it's like those who are throughout history, if you watch a person who's going through a tough time in their life, um, in, in a movie or in a TV show, what is the first thing that they do? If, you know, most of these shows are for created by non-believers and they have uh, not non-Christian messages, most of them. But for, for the most part, when you see a depressed main character, whatever, what does he do? He or she goes to the bar and has a drink where thinking that alcohol is going to cure that depression or anything like that. Going Going back to, like I said earlier, you can have a sip of alcohol, you can have, watch a YouTube video, or you can go on social media and look at what other people are posting to make yourself feel better. And although that could make you feel better at the time, look, think of the long-term repercussions of it, especially for alcohol, for one thing, alcohol and drugs, it, nothing good comes out of either of those. But in particular, again, going back to those being earthly bandages that don't really cure what we think that they're curing, you know? And now I remember um, that is again, going to when Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, you know, we go to these earthly, uh, earthly bandages again, or earthly possessions. And we think that that's going to cure everything, but that's just, you know, taking a drink of water and being thirsty all over again. But what did Jesus tell the Samaritan woman? If you drink of my fountain, you will never thirst again. When you go to the Lord and he gives you wisdom and guidance and support for what you need to do, you have that assurance that the Lord is you know, protecting you. The Lord has your back, right? Not saying that you're not going to go through this again, 
but you do know that if the Lord put it in your life, he can easily take it out of your life and he can help you through those walks. And uh, the Psalms and Proverbs, they're really great portions of scripture. I encourage every listener to, you know, every day there's 31 Proverbs, there's 31 months out of the day, most of the time. Uh, every day, whether that be day one, day five, day whatever of the month, go to that proverb, read the Proverbs. Again, they may not speak to you now, and you may glance over it because you're in a rush or whatever, but do take the time to read what they have to say. In the Psalms, they give an enormous amount of wisdom and a lot of guidance that is applicable to our lives. Even though it was written 2,000 years ago, even longer, you don't think that it does speak to you? Oh my gosh, you know, just read through it and see how much of your life applies to what, you know, those verses are saying to you. But in particular, Psalm 69 is talk about an urgent plea uh, for help in the time of trouble. And the very first verse, you just go into the thick of it. For those who are in depression, maybe this is applicable to you, you know. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. How, how about that? You know, I mean, for those who are dealing with serious cases of depression, does that not speak to how it feels like to be in those lonely moments, those times that you feel that all hope is lost? I mean, just in those verses, when you're comparing stress, anxiety, depression to when you're comparing it to the waters, the waters have come to your neck. You're starting to sink. It's starting to feel like there's nothing that can pull you out of the waters. You're drowning in this constant constant um, thoughts in your head it speaks to your soul and it's what really what's weighing you down but you keep reading as to verse 13 because throughout before then throughout the um psalms has talked about david's talking about you know all these aspects that he's struggling with and but when you come down to verse 13 it says but as for me my prayer is in you O lord in the acceptable time. Oh God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies and do not hide your face from your servant for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. How about that? The, when going back to even the apostle Peter, when he was walking on water when he was walking on the water, but he let the storm overtake his mind we're walking in the path of the lord the storms of life the stress the anxiety the depression distracts us from that walk and then we become we sink and we're drowning in it but who comes and saves peter who's gonna come and deliver us like i said in these verses it's the lord you know the lord is there for us in our darkest darkest times he is there to pull us out of the water and he is drawing us near to him if we only seek it. How many times, Juan, do we have a lot of uh, young adults who are going through this, but they're not turning their face to the Lord? They're not seeking the true master of the universe. Oh, man, I can lose count. And honestly, like, I fall into that category, too, sometimes. I think uh, I don't want to be here and say, like, I'm better than everybody else. No, I feel like I'm worse than everybody else, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times where, like, I feel like, I could be better. I know talking with a couple people, um, especially my close friends, is like just times I'm like, I know my eyes are not fixed on what they should be, you know, and, or who they should be on, which is Jesus. There's times where I like my eyes are on the circumstances. And I, I know like you can feel it like you're franticing, you're panicking. You're like, you're almost feeling like this is it. This is it. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm done, whatever. Um, but then when you took your eyes onto the Lord, like everything just, uh, it changes, man. Everything, your, your whole perspective changes everything just um you know it just flips um i'm reminded of this psalm um and there's two psalms i recommend 
for those. There's a couple. Um, two of them in particular that I recommend specifically for those who are battling with depression. Um, so these two psalms are dear to my heart. Uh, one of them is Psalm 139. Everybody knows it. You know, I think the fact that God could say like even, you know, because depression is a chemical imbalance in your brain. Um, it's something that is not like normal. And so it's, it's, you kind of have to like look at it that way. Like there's just times that your brain is just twisted and you, and you know, and that's why it's kind of hard for you to think straight in those times. Like for me, I can feel it. Like it almost feels like a headache, but not even like a headache. It just feels like my mind is clouded. That's the best way I can describe it. And I, those who battle with it can like, could agree. Um, but the fact that God knew and ordained me to have this chemical imbalance in my brain. And for me to go back to Psalm 139 and read, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Like God knew he had a purpose for it. He had a God given purpose for my depression, for my, my chemical imbalance, for those who battle with anxiety, all that stuff. Like God had a purpose for all this stuff. Like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's something that, you know, even as like guys, especially, um, we kind of like over glance that scripture, but it's the truth. Like, man, the things that we battle with, the things that we go through, like, that's it. Like God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. Like he didn't make a mistake in giving you uh depression or anything like that. And again, going back to Calvin's play, man, he molded us perfectly to what he envisioned. He painted us perfectly to what he envisioned. And another Psalm that I, uh, other than Psalm 139, it's Psalm 142, and I'm going to just read a couple of scriptures from there. But, like, this is verse 3, and I just love how it says, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you, speaking of God, knew my path and the way in which I walked. They have secretly set a snare for me, you know, talking about the enemy. And then, like, I'm telling you, this is why, um, you know, Noah was saying this earlier, um, why the Bible is so far is it's so personal, especially the Psalms, man. And again, if you're battling with stuff, read the Psalms, man, they're amazing. But he says in verse four, look at my right hand and see that there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me and no one cares for my soul. There's so many times we feel like that, but it great, brings us great comfort. It brings me extremely great comfort. That's why I love this Psalm is that this is David, the God after, you know, the man after God's own heart, like willing to admit that there's times in his life that he looks around and he sees that no one cares for him. But then he goes and what does he do in response to that? He doesn't just sit there in his emotions. No, he goes and turns to the Lord. Going back to what we we're just talking about, he turns to the Lord. So I cried out to you, O Lord. And I said, and look at this like amazing declaration of what he says. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Like that's a bold statement to make. That is a personal statement for David to say that to his God, you know, and for us to say that to our God, like, Lord, you are my refuge in these times where I feel like no one cares for me. You know, when other refuge has failed me, you are my refuge. You know, you are my portion of the land of the living. And he goes and just, again, attend to my cry for I'm brought very low. Again, it's just so relatable. Deliver me from my persecutors because that's what the enemy does when we're depressed and when we're and we battle with anxiety is that he constantly persecutes us and tells us that we're nothing. And they even, he even admits, David admits, for they are stronger than I. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to beat this alone. But then he goes and turns to God. And he knows that God's the answer. And he says, bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name, the righteousness around me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. And that is a lot of the times how we feel like, is that our soul is in prison. It's in this dark, dark, cold, wet prison. Um, and David here, again, Take great encouragement, man. This is a man of God. Like, this is a guy who really loved the Lord, who God bragged about and told him, this is a man after my own heart. And that's and God told him that, that that's what he is. You know, no man did. God told him that David was a man after my own heart. Um, and he says, like, bring my soul to prison. Like, I'm so brought low. I'm so distressed. I'm so depressed. You need to help me. And then he go, and then just bring my soul to prison so I can praise you, you know, the righteous shall surround me. And then because I know that you're going to be a bouncer for me. And again, this is too, there's so many psalms. Like Noah was saying earlier, there's so many psalms that they just bring so much good nourishment to you in those things. I I encourage everybody, if you haven't, if you're not doing it already, 
or if you don't know the Lord and you're hearing this, read the book of Psalms. There are sweet, sweet things in here, sweet treasures, sweet promises. Um, and when you get to know the heartbeat of Jesus more and what he has intended for us, like he doesn't want to harm us. He wants to speak to us, show us love, show us some precious like truths and that he may be our refuge, that he may be our reality, that he may be everything that we could possibly need in those battles. I couldn't agree with you more. It is just amazing to see how when we are dealing with our worst moments in life, how the Lord is always there. Even when we're not there for him, he is there for us. He is there to make sure that we are able to get out of those situations. And uh, depression is just nothing. It's not a topic or it's not a subject that we should take lightly, especially in the walk of a Christian. Uh, Juan's a great testament to that. He um, is there for all all sorts of individuals, but he does know that ultimately it is up to the Lord to take us out of those situations, no matter how long or how short it may be. Uh, God is always there. And like, I really, I really love that last verse. Like you said, for you speaking of the Lord, you shall deal bountifully with me saying it's a promise. It's an assurance that the Lord is using your life. No matter what stage of life you're at, you're being used by God. And it doesn't even have to be the biggest role in the world. You don't have to be a pastor all the way up at the very tip top, speaking to a bunch of sinners down below. Not even that. You could just be the person who is setting up chairs in church. You could be the person who is literally just passing out greeting cards or um, pamphlets at church. Not saying that those roles are terrible or anything, but I'm just saying when you compare between a pastor and that uh, role in a church of itself, you are being used by God because you don't know that that chair you set up is a chair that a sinner is going to sit at and hear that word of God being spoken to them. You don't know that that, pimp, that pamphlet that you give to a non-believer who's just walking in to church for the first time is not going to see something that stands out to him, something that he or she wants to be involved in from the church. You don't know what your actions do in regards to anyone else who is watching, but you do know that what you're doing is for the Lord and it's in the Lord's timing that he's going to speak to those and he's going to help those through you. And I feel like that's one thing I can leave to encourage, leave you encouraged by the Lord is using you one. The Lord is using you. The Lord is using me. He's using every single one of us to bring glory to his name and to be a light that shines for others to draw towards because they see what we have to offer, what the Lord has to offer in their lives. We just don't know what it is, but ultimately the Lord does. So, uh, but, you know, through those times of depression, you know, we come out and the sun's shining and it's a happy day, right? You mm -hmm. can speak to that. Yeah, I think uh, this is an analogy that I always use. And um, this is why I love rainy days. So a lot of people... <laughs> I don't know if it's just what people who battle depression, but we really love dark and rainy days. It just bring a lot of comfort to us. I don't know why, uh, but I can tell you why for me. Uh, when it's raining, right, and there's a storm, you know, um, and what I'm about to like say, uh, I actually read in a Devo, uh, and it was a scientist who wrote it. It kind of blew my mind. But Ooh, after I know after a rainy day, this is a Christian scientist, so you know. I guess whatever that means, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, uh, he was saying how, like, um, after a rainy day, it's interesting that when you look at everything, like, for instance, obviously when it's raining, dark and gloomy, right? Right. Um, but when it's, once the sun starts peaking, right, we see obviously God's rainbow, you know, we see the rainbow and all that stuff, but what people don't pay attention to and, and, Again, this is what the guy was saying is blew my mind, is that we fail to pay attention to the plants, the trees, the grass, and the flowers. See, rain reflects light, right? Like the water droplets. Water reflects light. When water droplets are left after it's done in raining, when you look at trees and grasses uh, and like flowers and whatnot, like if you ever realize it, I'm telling you, look at it next time it rains. And obviously California is very bipolar. So we might get rain tonight. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, look at the, look, just look at the field, look at everything. 
you realize that every color is a lot more vibrant. It's a lot more colorful. It's a lot more, it pops more. And because of the water, you know, reflecting uh, the light that's shining from the sun after it's done raining, you know? Um, and what this, this Christian scientist said was that, isn't that true for, for, for us when we go through storms that after it's all said and done, after we're done and going through what we're battling with, isn't it, isn't it awesome that when the sun shines on us, we reflect the sun and therefore the colors, like who we are shines brighter because of what we just went through. And like, I remember reading that and I was just like, dang. <laughs> like that's deep and I remember sharing that with Nick and I remember on the way home I was uh, uh it was after it was done raining and like the suit the sun was piercing like that dark sky and hitting a certain grass field by my house and I was like wow like this is awesome I took a picture sent it to Nick I'm like look dude I told you man like it's just it's beautiful <laughs> you know um and I'm reminded of so this is my life first it's been my life first for quite some time now um, and I pray whenever they bury me many years from now, whatever is that they put this on my, my thing, but Job, yeah, Job 23, 10, he says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. And that's what it's all about. That when God tests us and when God puts us through that storm, like we need to weather it. We need to stand in the middle of the storm. You know, we all like to run away from it. But that actually harms us more. Like running away from the cross that God has given us actually hurts us more than the cross itself. But we need to run to the eye of the storm because in the eye of the storm, that's where the most peace is found, right? That's where God's peace is found, in the eye of the storm. Yep. So when everything's all passed and said and done, you know, excuse me, we're going to be reflecting, um, you know, God's goodness, you know, once it's, when the sun, because the thing is like, we forget that the sun has never left. The sun is still there. Even though it's dark and gloomy and raining and stormy, like the sun is still there. It's just above the clouds, mm-hmm. you know? And once that sun pierces through the clouds, man, how much do we will reflect his glory, his goodness? You know, what does the Bible say? Like for our light affliction is for a moment. It's working us for a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. And that's what, that's what shines through is the inward man. It's, it's, it's God shining through us. Um, yeah, man. And that's, again, that scripture, you know, he knows the way that I take. He knows the trials I'm going through. And when he has tested me, I'm going to come forth as gold. And what a beautiful picture that is. Coming forth as gold. And when you come forth as gold, that is when, uh, the, like you just said, the, the Lord just put you through that trial. And then you have that again, it's, it's like it, it reignites the flame in your heart, the burning fire to want to go out again and speak to people who are dealing with what you're dealing with as well. And I think that's very encouraging for those, for our listeners. So yeah, great conversation, Juan. Um, you know, I think first thing that comes to mind, uh, and I think that that's what it's always, what I'm always going to remember for you is just, you know, us dancing along to a happy day, you know, because those who, <laughs> who are dealing with this, they come out having a happy day. And that was one of the last songs that uh, they sang to us uh, during Easter Sunday this past year. Uh, I've, I've really loved that song and just hearing it and uh, swinging back and forth with Juan, although we're not on camera, thank goodness. Maybe someone did film <laughs> us from behind, but oh, we were Lord. just having a blast. <laughs> but uh, Juan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you at if they want to see what you post about or anything that speaks out to you? Where can they find you? Oh, I mean, uh, I always post, not always, but I, I post on my social media. Uh, I think it's, I forget my username. It's like Juanito Macias or something like that. Juanito C. Macias, whatever. Um, and the latter, come to church, Golden Springs. I'm always here at the sound booth, like I was saying earlier. But yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. And I'm going to tell Daniel to uh, be playing the happy day song as an outro to this podcast. Oh, happy. Yes. Oh, oh, happy. Yes, dude. I love that. He's song. swinging around. All right. Thank <laughs> you so much, Juan, for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for being a light for others and to uh, help those who are going through some of the toughest times in their life. But thank you so much, man. Thank you for the time. Of course, man. All right, church. Help us sing this out together. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the What I Believe podcast. If you believe that this episode can help someone in need, please share it. And if you yourself have any questions about Jesus Christ, we invite you to call the following number, 909-396-1884, to speak with a pastor who can answer any of your questions. Thank you for listening, and may God continue to bless you.